You're listening to audio from Redwood Baptist Church. If you need any more information about us, go to www.redwoodbaptist.org. We're in a series entitled, A Fresh Start. Praise the Lord for that. Take your Bibles, please. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter number 1. Deuteronomy chapter number 1. And thank you for praying for us while... Sarah and I were able to spend a few um, days together celebrating our 15th anniversary that we had several months ago, uh, but enjoyed some time and uh, really uh, missed being here uh, with you all. We, we love our church. We love uh, you all and uh, the, just the privilege it is to, uh, to co-labor with you uh, in this area, and uh, I'm thankful this morning to, uh, to bring the word. We're going to be starting a new series and uh, you say, how long is this series going to go? Well, what, let, let me tell you what book we're going to study, and then you can determine how long it's going to go. We're going to begin the book of Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy. Have you ever read Deuteronomy before? Come on. How many of you not? No, just kidding. Don't raise your hand. It's okay if you haven't. Uh, it's, a, it's a tough book, but I've entitled the series A Fresh Start. A Fresh Start. Here's what you don't have to worry about. Customary, we go verse by verse through books that, that'll take us, literally we'll be here for a couple years, right? And uh, so what we're going to do is we're going to kind of look at just some major, major themes uh, that we find in the book of uh, Deuteronomy. This morning is going to be uh, a message maybe unlike others that will be in this series. It's going to be an overview, kind of somewhat of the thrust of the book and uh, kind of give us some of, the, some of the background. And so I've put everything up on the screen just so... As I jump around, you don't get lost in the book, okay? Uh, but we're praying that it's one coherent thought uh, here this morning uh, as we uh, start this new series entitled A Fresh Start. I don't know about you, uh, sometimes you think of, well, yeah, that's what we do come January. Uh, no, just a fresh, fresh start in your life, and, uh, and I'm looking forward to what God will do. Uh, the title of this morning's message is The Making of of a new beginning, the making of a new beginning. Let's read just one verse this morning because we will look at several of them, but we will find that in Deuteronomy chapter 1, verse number 8. Deuteronomy 1, verse number 8, it says, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess the land which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them to their seed after them. The making of a new beginning as we start this series of the book of Deuteronomy, a fresh start. Let's go to the Lord one more time in prayer. Father, we thank you, uh, Lord, for your word. And God, I thank you for what you've done in my heart uh, these last several weeks in uh, preparing uh, for this series that we will spend many months in. And uh, God, I just ask that, uh, Lord, you would Help me this morning to lay out before us, God, what you desire for us to glean from this morning. Lord, there's much on our mind. Sundays are full of all kinds of things for people. And yet, Lord, I pray through your Holy Spirit's power that you would bind the devil. I pray that you would bind his powers and that, Lord, we would be able to, to hear what you have for us. God, I don't want to say anything that wouldn't be pleasing to you. Lord, and I only want to say that which you desire to use this morning. I pray for 
the listener as well. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. The book of Deuteronomy has significantly impacted uh, my last several months or so. I read this book in, in, in one setting a few weeks ago uh, where, where I was studying. I took a few days of just concentrated of a study sabbatical to uh, find the direction of the preaching for the fall months uh, into even the beginning of the year. And I was challenged by my father-in-law, actually, that if I would begin the book of Deuteronomy and I would read it in one setting and I would allow the weight of the book to press in on my life and in on my soul, that it would be very, very beneficial for me. And so I did that and it took me several hours to do so because sometimes I'd get sidetracked. Have you ever gotten sidetracked when you're reading the Word? Come on, anybody? I appreciate the few honesty, the few honest people in here. Uh, but, you know, so it took me several hours. But I, I began in chapter number one, and I put all the other books and anything else. I, I put my, my, my phone away and everything, and I just began to just read verse by verse by verse and let it press in on me. And as I read it, I came away with one overwhelming impression And it was, I was reminded once again that there is so much of the love of God in the Old Testament. That truth has been incredibly helpful to me over uh, the last, I would say, four or five years of my life. I was reminded once again that the Bible is not two different books with two different messages. It's not a nasty old book of laws and a beautiful new book of love and grace. There's not two different gods of the Bible. There's not the God of anger and wrath and somehow a different God and He changed during the course of history. No. There's one God and He never changes. Malachi says, I am the Lord and I change not. And so you and I, we are to love Him as we fear Him. And we are to fear Him as we love Him. We are to... uh, He is as much to be loved in the Old Testament as He is to be feared in the New. And so there are three questions this morning by way of kind of just an introductory message to the book that I desire to answer today. Who is the book for? What is this book about? And what can we learn from it today? And so let's start, first of all, with the audience. The audience of who is this book for? Who's it for? Well, first of all, we are, it's given to those who are entrusted with leadership. Those who are given a role of leadership over anybody else. We see in Deuteronomy 17, here's where you're going to see some jumping around. And it shall be when he sitteth upon the throne of his kingdom. And he shall write him a copy of this law in a book out of that which is before the priests and the Levites. And it shall be with him. And he shall read therein all the days of his life that he may learn to fear the Lord his God to keep all the words of this law and these statutes to do them. I want you to imagine this. A a, a king is crowned. And what's the first thing that this king is supposed to do? Is he supposed to establish policy? No. 
He is supposed to make a record of this book, to make a record of the book of Deuteronomy. He needs to know how to establish policy first. And so this book is for anybody who leads. It's for fathers and mothers and for elders and deacons and missionaries and anybody, CEOs and people that are going, people that are going to have individuals that work under them. If you're going to lead others, there is much from the book of Deuteronomy that you could learn. It's not only for those that are going to lead, it's also for all of God's people we see in Deuteronomy 31. And Moses commanded them, saying, At the end of even seven years in solemnity of the year of release, in the Feast of Tabernacles, when all Israel has come to appear before the Lord thy God, in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children, and thy stranger that is within thy gates. Another way of saying those that are in your home at that time. You might have guests that are staying with you. That they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God and observe to do all the words of this law. The entire book of Deuteronomy was to be read every seven years before the entire community. Every seven years, they would all get together and they would be in a, a setting where there, someone is reading the entire book of Deuteronomy. Now, aren't you thankful that I'm not going to read the entire book of Deuteronomy for you here this morning? Okay? It took me hours, all right? And now listen, I hope you didn't come this morning to get out. Meaning, just to check a box, hey, I'm coming to church, because if we're going to do proper justice to this book over these months, We'll have some mini-series that break off of it. If we're going to do proper justice to it, you and I, we're going to have to spend some time this morning. And so I'm asking you to kind of put your whole heart into this morning. I've been praying for weeks as God prepared this uh, on my heart in this series uh, from His Word that, that, that God would give us everything that we need. And so every seven years, the whole community would hear the words of this book. It was for all of God's people. Children needed to hear what this book had to say. It was for families. It was for the present day. It's for the, it's for the whole church. Why? So that people would learn how to fear the Lord and obey God's commands. So it's for people that lead. It's for all of God's people. You know who else it's for? It's for people who have forgotten the Lord. People who have forgotten the Lord. More than 800 years had passed from um, after Moses had spoken these words and Deuteronomy was penned 800 years later, God used this book, the book of Deuteronomy, to ignite an extraordinary change in the nation of Israel. God's people went through some severely dark times, some dark leaders, some corrupt leaders, dreadful, evil kings. And one man, his name is Manasseh, he was a guy that literally was willing to sacrifice his own son to the fiery gods. He had to literally literally just walk on the, uh, to walk on the coals. Okay? He had to walk through the fire. He was into witchcraft and sorcery. We see in 2 Kings 21, and he made his son pass through the fire and observe times and used enchantments and dealt with familiar spirits and wizards. And so it was a dark time for Israel. For about 800 years later, there was this 55 years of Manasseh's reign 
where clearly this man hadn't read Deuteronomy, or clearly he didn't do what every leader that took over was supposed to do, is to pen a copy of it. Clearly he hadn't done that, or he wasn't adhering to what the book talks about. And so this during his reign, his 55 years, God had been completely forgotten about. And what happens when a half century goes by and the Word of God, present day, the word, the whole Word of God, excuse me, is not, is not deemed as important or is not held up in esteem? Well, you get a generation that doesn't know the Lord. You get a generation that the Bible says in Judges that knew not the Lord, neither the things of the Lord. They didn't see any of the works of the Lord. God was not present in their day. He was not esteemed. And then Josiah comes along. And Josiah was a man where God was working in this man's heart. And at the age of 18, the high priest finds a dusty old copy of Deuteronomy. Clearly, it had been probably from the king prior to Manasseh, and God's word was uncovered. And Manasseh began, excuse me, and Josiah began to read a copy of, of Deuteronomy. And as he began to read this, he heard the words and he tore his robes and he sat in in ashes and he literally just was mourning over the fact that God's people had not been adhering to the book. And so they began to read it. They brought everybody together and they had literally national reformation to the entire community and to the nation. And so God has used this book powerfully in the past. And I believe in 2018, he desires to use an old, don't, I'm not trying to be irreverent, but just figuratively, an old, dusty, Old Testament book that has a lot of law in it to breathe life into our community, life into our church. And so that is when we see the audience. All right? Now let's go secondly to the storyline. What is it about? So what is, the, what is the book of Deuteronomy about? Well, God had given the promised land to Abraham and to all of his descendants. But three generations later, that'd be Isaac, Jacob, and Joseph, what? There was a, there was a famine in the land. And so God took the, the people to Egypt. That's where God had allowed Joseph through prison and been forgotten about. And he had ascended to second in power there at Egypt. And God had allowed all of that. Joseph's brothers to sell him into slavery. Why? Because there was going to be a great famine. The Pharaoh had his dreams. Joseph was able to interpret the dreams. You're going to have seven years of plenty, seven years of famine. And it was during that period of time when God brought his people to Egypt. And they were were taken care of. They stayed in Egypt for the next 400 years. Not because they wanted to, but because they were oppressed. And eventually they became slaves. And as they were slaves, they, they called out to God and they said, God, don't you, don't you see what's happening here? Can't you can't, look at your people? And so God hears that cry, raises up Moses, right? And Moses is, uh, helps them. They leads them out of Egypt through the, the great exodus. And you hear all the plagues and then the, the parting of the Red Sea. And now they're, they're, they're standing at Mount Horeb, also known as Mount Sinai. And God is making a covenant with them. 
God says to these people as they've, have they've been brought out of Egypt, I will be your God and you will be my people. And so Moses reviews for us what happened next for God's people when they were at Mount Sinai. And that's what we see here in our text. God begins to, he's reviewing that God had given them the Ten Commandments. In Deuteronomy 1.6, the Lord our God spake unto us in Horeb, saying, Ye have dwelt long enough in this mount. Verse 8, Behold, I have set the land before you. Go in and possess it. I've got something new for you. I've got a, I've got a fresh start for you. The Lord which the Lord swear unto your fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give unto them and to their seed after them. God was saying, hey, you've been here long enough. You've been, you've been wandering in the desert here long enough. You've got everything ready. You've got your possessions. Or rather, you've, you've organized. You've appointed leaders, verse 9 says. You've sent out spies. Verse number 19 of chapter 1 says, and you know, the spies go out, right? Ten were bad and two were good. How many remember that song in Sunday school, right? And they, they, the spies come back and they say, oh, the promised land, the Canaan, they're full of mighty giants. The cities are huge. The walls are huge. They're like grasshoppers in fields. And so great fear came over the children of Israel. So if you were to read down through chapter 1, Moses is retelling this story. God says it's time for you to go. They organize, set up leaders, send out spies. Spies come back. The news is scary. And so they get afraid. They begin to complain. They're in their tents. It says in verse 28, Whither shall we go up? Our brethren have discouraged our hearts, saying, The people is greater and taller than we. God's people were so un- unhappy that they literally talked about stoning Moses and Aaron at one point. Then God stepped in. And God says to that generation in Numbers, again, Deuteronomy is all about retelling it. Numbers would be it happening live. For, for, chapter 14, verse 23, Surely they shall not see the land which I swear unto their fathers, neither shall any of them that provoked me see it. So the people wandered in the desert. Hear me. The entire, their entire generation. They couldn't go back to Egypt. They weren't allowed to go into the promised land. They were on. They, they, they were right there, Mount Horeb. They were getting instructions. They had to literally cross the Jordan River into Canaan, into the promised land. But they began to complain. The news came back. There's giants there. There's big walls. There's scary people. So they got scared. They began to complain. God says, all right, we're not going back to Egypt. Egypt would have killed them all. Well, you can't go into the promised land, so you're going to wander in the desert for 40 years. Believing people, hear me, believing people going nowhere. God was providing for them manna from heaven every single day. Believing people, God providing for them but nothing of the mission of God was going forward. Deuteronomy 2, verse 14, In the space in which we came from Kadesh Barnea until we come over to the brook Zered was thirty and eight years until all the generation of the men of war... I'm giving you all this background for a reason. 
Okay, were wasted out from among the hosts as the Lord surely unto them. For indeed the, the, the hand of the Lord was against them to destroy them from among the hosts until they were consumed. And so when the last fighting men of that generation had died, God told Moses, now it's time to move on. Verse 16, So it came to pass when all the men of war were consumed and dead from among the people. So after 40 years of wandering in the desert, God's people are now ready to cross the Jordan River. They're right on the verge of the promised land. They're right on the verge of seeing everything that God had said that He would give Abraham and his descendants. They were right there. They could see it. They set up camp. And Moses begins to speak to them for the last time. And that's what Deuteronomy is. Deuteronomy is Moses' final words because Moses wasn't allowed to go into the promised land, right? He struck the rock, bringing in all these stories, right, from the Old Testament that many of us know. He doesn't get to go into the promised land. Joshua gets to lead them into the promised land. But right before they're there, they're li- they can literally look on into the promised land, Moses begins to speak to them. Deuteronomy 1.1, these be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side Jordan in the wilderness. Verse 3, it came to pass in the 40th year, in the 11th month, on the first day of the month, that Moses spake unto the children of Israel according unto all that the Lord had given him in commandments unto them. So this is the 40th year. 40th year since what? Since the Exodus. 40th year since God miraculously brought them out of the grip of the Pharaoh through all of those, uh, of those plagues of blood and frogs and the firstborn slain to the ultimate one of the parting of the Red Sea and they get to cross on dry land and then the Pharaoh and all the armies get consumed as it closes back up on them. So if you and I, if they were using our calendar, which they weren't, It would be the 11th month. That would be like November 1st, the first day of the 11th month. Kind of picture that as November 1st. And we know, according to Joshua, that they entered the promised land on the 10th day of the first month. Joshua 4.19. And the people came up out of Jordan on the 10th day of the first month and encamped in Gilgal in the east border of Jericho. So from about, again, if you were using our calendar, from about November 1st to... January 10th, an approximation of about a 70-day period, there is this talk from Moses. So we're going to be here for 70 days. How many of you are excited about that? I'm just going to talk. Okay, I'm no Moses. But just kind of picture it. And Moses, for 70 days, takes this group. We're going to talk about the group here more in a moment. He takes this group and he begins to prepare them for a fresh start. Begins to prepare them for something better. For something greater. Took him 70 days. Tells the the history of what went on. And we're going to go through that history. We're going to glean truths from that. Okay? Moses began with a flashback. He says, let me take you back to when you were born. We were at Horeb and God called us to move forward and this was the beginning. 
generation ago. Forty years ago, your, your parents, they were, they were gathering right here. If they had believed God, you would have been born in Canaan. But fear took over. The unknown took over. Change, the fear of change, the fear of something new began to take over and you were born in the desert. And that's all you've ever known. But now God is calling you. God is calling you to, to not live in that fear, to, to not live in that past. And God is calling you onto something new. It is your moment of opportunity. It is your moment of destiny. That is the story. It is about God's people facing major transition. This book is God's word for people on the threshold of an entirely new experience. And that brings us to our, this is all introduction, don't worry, the rest, of the, the rest of the message goes really quick. That brings us to the application. How does this speak to us today, Ryan? This is like, you know, way back in the day. Well, the message of this book is about what it takes for people with a faith, with a faith to become a people with a mission. The generation that died in the desert, oh, listen to me, they believed in God. They were willing to slay a lamb. They were willing to put the blood on the doorpost. They were willing to walk out of, out of Egypt. They were willing to literally walk between walls of water on a Red Sea. They were willing to believe God. They were willing to follow Him. That generation died in the desert, even though they believed God. They had experienced God in the miracle of the Exodus but they acted in unbelief. Warren Wiersbe, on his commentary on the book of Deuteronomy, he says this, unbelief wasted wastes time. A journey that should have taken approximately 11 days took 40 years. Let me ask you a question. How many years of your life have been wasted by unbelief? By unbelief. We're just wasting years away. God did so much for these people. And they did so little for Him. So much could have been done. Yet so little was accomplished. And so the great question in Deuteronomy is, is how can people of God with a faith, if you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior here this morning, you, you have a faith. It's, it's your defining marker. You have a faith, but how do we become a people of faith to a people with a mission? How can you move from being a person with a faith to a person with a mission? How can we move from being a church with a faith to a church with a mission? That is what this book is about. What is going to take, well, well, what's it going to take to move a person from being simply just a person of faith, simply a person that just says, oh, I'm glad I'm saved. I'm glad I'm a Christian. And praise God, there's no greater decision you could ever make than to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior. But if we're just sitting on that and, oh, thank you for my faith, to now that becoming to flesh out into the mission of your life, 
and to the mission of the church. And so two things must happen. And here's the main message. And I promise you, we're not going to go much longer. First of all, you have to break free from being defined by your past. If you're going to move from a person, a man or a woman, a family of just simple faith to a man or woman or family of mission, you are going to have to break free from your being defined by your past. I want you to think about the people standing on verge of the Jordan River, less than a hundred days from entering into the land of Canaan. Most of them had been born in the desert. They didn't know anything else. Imagine if you're in your late 30s, that's me, and younger, or if they are a man of war or the age of war, Many, many people believe that was anywhere from the age of 13 to 18. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to say 35, just for the fun of it. I mean, yeah, 15, excuse me, 15. So 40 plus 15 equals 55. If you are 55 years and younger, younger, younger. I'm not trying to say you're old, please. If you're 55 years and younger, would you please stand? 55 years and younger. If, if you're 55 years old and younger, please stand. Okay, please stand. All right, that means if you're in your 20s, your 30s, your 40s. All right. Everyone that's seated, praise God you don't live during this time. Amen? All right, you may be seated. Thank you. So the vast majority of us in here, would have been standing as Moses was teaching and preaching. If you're over 55, sorry, we still love you. I don't, we don't, absolutely, 100% still love you. Praise God, we don't live in those days, right? Okay, but if this is all you've ever known, Okay, if you were a little bit younger, you would have you'd have remembered, or a little bit older in the you know the the, the 40s and the early 50s, you would have you'd have remembered the Exodus, you would have remembered some of that, but you would have been so young, and the decision making would not have been in your power. It would have been in mom and dad's power. Mom and dad were the the complainers. Mom and dad were the the the, the, uh, the unbelieving ones. Okay, and so there's this younger generation, you're standing there. Okay, all you've ever known really is the desert. You now have a young family of your own. Your children were also born in the desert. And guess what? God has been good to you. He's been good to you. He's provided manna for you every single day. And you've never known anything else. You've never had to go kill your own animals. You've never had to go, you know, um, make food or anything like that. Manna from heaven would fall down every single day. And isn't it funny how we can even complain about something that comes from God? Because that's what they did, right? But God's been good to you. It's all we've ever known. Hey, you 55 years old and under, definitely 40 and under. That's me still, praise God, for a couple more years. All we've ever known is desert. It's it. All we've ever known is God providing. It's all we've ever known. You believe in Him. And you're grateful for all that He's done for you. But your whole life has been shaped by the instincts and the choices of your parents. They were believers. But they were so cautious. Hear what I'm about to say. They were so afraid of risk that had become defining for you. The only faith you'd ever experienced was a faith that that leaves you wandering around. 
that experiencing God's provision, but not doing anything to advance the cause of God. Not doing anything to to, to be a part of the, the mission for 40 years, for your entire life. Those of you that were standing, again, if you were seated, praise God, we live now. Hallelujah for the grace of God. But those of you that were they're standing, all you've ever done is just wander around in the desert. Man, when are we ever going to get there? God, thank you for this manna. It kind of tastes the same as yesterday, but God, you know, you're good, okay? You're believers, but your life has no mission. You're not advancing the kingdom of God. You're not advancing the mission of God. And some of you might be saying, hey, Ryan, that's me. There's nothing beyond my faith. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not moving forward. There's, there, there's nothing that is coming out of my life that is, that is really glorifying of God and that is missional with God. And so if your life is going to count, you need to break free from being defined by your past. You need to be freed from thinking that believing in God and enjoying His provision is all that there is. You've got to break free from that. Because guess what? There's a mission for all of us to be fulfilling. Praise God for the provision of Jesus. Praise God for our salvation. Praise God for what we call the blessed hope. And we can sit on that. But you and I, we're supposed to be in a mission. And that comes us to our second point here. You have to overcome your fear of the future. God was calling these people to do things that none of them had ever done before. Moses said, hey, we're going to live in houses. What do you mean? All I've ever lived in is a canvas tent over my head. Pastor, we've never done it that way before. Did I step too hard on that? Hey, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to live in houses, but, but, but Moses, all, all we know are tents. All we know are canvas over our heads. Moses says, we're going to plant crops. We're going to, we're going to raise harvests. But Moses, the only thing that we've ever known is gathering manna from heaven. I got to, I got to work now. If you are 55 years and older, please stand. Man, I'm not trying to make you feel old, okay? Mike, why are you standing? <laughs> Just kidding. Hey, hey, us, us younger, oh, you guys are still young. Please don't crucify me. If you look around, you may be seated. Many of us, We're on their coattails of their faith. Many of them built the churches in America. As if America is, I don't mean it that way, it's around the world. You know what God's saying? God's saying, hey, hey, it's your time now. It's your time to move forward. It's your time to to get on point. It's your time to have a fresh start and to get on mission. Praise God for the benefits. I, to the glory of God, I don't want to take any credit for it because it's none of mine. I inherited this amazing place. 
because of the faith of others. Because of the faith of men and women of yesteryear, as if they're old, old, old people. I don't mean it like that. Of just of of decades maybe ago that had had great faith. Hey, let let me ask us 55 and younger. Where's our faith? Where's our faith? God, God, God's got a calling for us. God has got a he he's got a he's got a moving for us. He's got a new experience for us. And are we going to be defined by our past? Are we going to be afraid of the future because sometimes our parents were afraid of the future? Sometimes our parents were afraid of something new because it looked a little different, because it sounded a little different. Hey, are we going to, are, are, are we going to be afraid? Or are we going to stand on the, the, the banks of that Jordan River and say, God, you're calling me out to this. Calling me out to a life of faith. So here's the challenge that God's people were facing. Can we break free from the past? Or will the past always shape us? Can I overcome my fears for the future? Or will these fears always hold me back? 55 and older, would you please encourage this younger generation? Please. Don't shy away from us. Don't begin to think, ah, you know what, they're different and they're going to ruin it. No, no, no. Encourage us. Come alongside us. Love us. Because, hey, 55 and younger, guess what? We need them. We need them. We need their wisdom. We need, we, we need that they can kind of sometimes see beyond the curve a little bit. But then you older, I use that loosely, sorry, you older generation, you allow us younger generation to experience houses instead of tents. You older generation, allow us to experience where we, where we plant our own food, where we, where we, rather than just manna coming from the ground. And what we will find is that when God speaks to us through Moses in this, in this book, He's going he's gonna to speak to us about the calling of God. And that helps you to not cling to the past. And then he's going to, oh, my, 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 my. He is going to preach to us the love of God in Deuteronomy. You know what the love of God does? Perfect love casts out fear. These people heard the call of God. They experienced the love of God. And 70 days later, guess what they did? They moved into the promised land. So this book has everything to do with us. So much to say to all of us as we need a fresh start Today, you and I begin, need to realize that we are losing this next generation to the gospel. We're losing them. We're losing them. They don't want anything to do with it. And you and I, we're going to have to get on point. You and I are going to have to say, I've got a calling of God to not only just sit on my faith, but instead be a man, woman, family, church of mission. Moving, advancing into the wonderful promises of God. Now I want you to run the Bible forward about 1,700 years or so. And I want you to picture Jesus in the upper room with his disciples. He's about to be betrayed. He's in his last supper and he's, and he's teaching them. And the, and the room is, is, is filled with fear. These men, they didn't have a mission yet. 
They didn't understand. God had, Jesus had been speaking in parables and they, they would get kind of bits and pieces of it here and there and they're in the upper room. And you know what Jesus begins to do? Jesus begins to lay out what is going to happen. They didn't fully understand it. He begins to pour out his love upon them. He literally washes their feet. Jesus, the Messiah, God in the flesh, washes the stinking, nasty, dirty, filthy, I don't know some more descriptive words there, feet of the disciples. You know, and one of the disciples is like, oh, you're not washing my feet. You know the story. That's Peter. I'm so much like Peter. I want my love for God to shine, not his love for me. They're believers. But they're not changing the world yet. They've been following Jesus. They've been making mistake after mistake after mistake. And Jesus would be like, oh, you have little faith. Where is your faith? They're not changing the world yet. And so Jesus showed them what's going to happen. He gave them the mission. You can read that in John 14 and John 15. And then we come to John 16. It says, these things have I spoken unto you, that in me ye might have peace. In the world you shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. You all are so afraid. Be of good cheer. Why? Because I have overcome the world. After the crucifixion, Jesus Christ is taken away. He's betrayed by Judas and he's crucified on the cross and he's now in the grave. You want to know what the talk of the disciples was? Let's go fishing. Let's go back to what is safe. Let's go back to what is familiar. And what does Jesus do? The resurrected Jesus shows up again. He's so compassionate. He's so loving. And he breathes on them and he says this in John 20, then said Jesus unto them again, peace be unto you. As my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and saith unto them, receive ye the Holy Ghost. See, people with a faith become people with a mission when the love of Christ enables you to overcome fear and the call of Christ breaks you free from being defined by the past. And it is my prayer as we begin to embark, a different, I told you, a totally different type of message, but my prayer is that we begin to embark on this journey of Deuteronomy that you could see yourself standing there. That it's not some ancient, archaic, dusty book, but instead that it would be exactly what you need, exactly what your family needs, exactly what this church needs, that where we say, God, we don't want to be just a church, a man or woman, a family of simple faith. Praise God for the faith. If you've never trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior, that's where it starts. But then God would say, hey, There's more. There's so many blessings in the promised land. Get on point and on mission and let the love of God pull you there. Let let the love of Christ take the fears and the constantly being defined by our past to be able to go forward. Every head bowed, every eye closed.